Part Three of Med Ship Man by Murray Leinster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part Three. They came to the turnoff for a town called Technachitlan, some forty miles from Maya City. Calhoun swung off the highway to go through it. Whoever had chosen the name Maya for this planet had been interested in the legends of Yucatan back on Earth. There were many instances of such hobbies in a medship's list of ports of call. Calhoun touched ground regularly on planets that had been named for countries and towns when men first roamed the stars, and nostalgically christened their discoveries with names suggested by homesickness. There was Tralee, and the Dorset, and an Erie. Colonists not infrequently took their world's given name as a pattern, and chose related names for seas and peninsulas and mountain chains. On Texia, the landing grid rose near a town called Corral, and the principal meat-packing settlement was named Roundup. Whatever the name Technochitlan would have suggested, though, was denied by the town itself. It was small, with a pleasing local type of architecture. There were shops and some factories and many strictly private homes, some clustered close together, and others in the middles of considerable gardens. In these gardens also there was wilt and decay among the cannibal plants. There was no grass, because the plants prevented it, but now the motile plants themselves were dead. Except for the one class of killed growing things, however, vegetation was luxuriant. But the little city was deserted. Its streets were empty, its houses untenanted. Some houses were apparently locked up here, though, and Calhoun saw three or four shops whose stock in trade had been covered over before the owners departed. He guessed that either this town had been warned earlier than the spaceport city, or else they knew they had time to get in motion before the highways were filled with the cars from the west. Allison looked at the houses with keen, evaluating eyes. He did not seem to notice the absence of people. When Calhoun swung back on the great road beyond the little city, Allison regarded the endless fields of dark green plants with much the same sort of interest. Interesting, he said abruptly when Technochitlan fell behind and dwindled to a speck. Very interesting. I'm interested in land. Real property, that's my business. I've a land-owning corporation on Thanet Three. I've some holdings on Dorset Two and elsewhere. It just occurred to me, what's all this land and the city's worth with the people all run away? What, asked Calhoun, are the people worth who've run? Allison paid no attention. He looked shrewd, thoughtful. I came here to buy land, he said. I'd arranged to buy some hundreds of square miles. I'd buy more if the price was right. But, as things are, it looks like the price of land ought to go down quite a bit. Quite a bit. It depends, said Calhoun, on whether there's anybody left alive to sell it to you, and what sort of thing has happened. Allison looked at him sharply. Ridiculous, he said authoritatively. There's no question of their being alive. 
They thought there might be, observed Calhoun. That's why they ran away. They hoped they'd be safe where they ran to. I hope they are. Allison ignored the comment. His eyes remained intent and shrewd. He was not bewildered by the flight of the people of Maya. His mind was busy with contemplation of that flight from the standpoint of a man of business. The car went racing onward. The endless fields of dark green rushed past to the rear. The highway was deserted. Just three strips of surfaced road, mathematically straight, going on to the horizon. They went on by tens and scores of miles, each strip wide enough to allow four ground cars to run side by side. The highway was intended to allow all the produce of all these fields to be taken to market or a processing plant at the highest possible speed and in any imaginable quantity. The same roads had allowed the cities to be deserted instantly. The warning, whatever the warning was, arrived. Fifty miles beyond Tecnochitlan, there was a mile-long strip of sheds containing agricultural machinery for crop culture and trucks to carry the crops to market. There was no sign of life about the machinery, nor in a further hour's run to westward. Then there was a city visible to the left, but it was not served by this particular highway, but another. There was no sign of any movement in its streets. It moved along the horizon to the left and rear. Presently it disappeared. Half an hour later, Murgatroyd said, Chee! He stirred uneasily. A moment later he said, Chee! again. Calhoun turned his eyes from the road. Murgatroyd looked unhappy. Calhoun ran his hand over the Tormal's furry body. Murgatroyd pressed against him. The car raced on. Murgatroyd whimpered a little. Calhoun's hand felt the little animal's muscles tense sharply and then relax, and after a little, tense again. Murgatroyd said, almost hysterically, Chee! 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 Calhoun stopped the car, but Murgatroyd did not seem to be relieved. Allison said impatiently, What's the matter? That's what I'm trying to find out, said Calhoun. He felt Murgatroyd's pulse. The role of Murgatroyd in the medship Escalipus Twenty was not only that of charming companion in the long, isolated runs in overdrive— Murgatroyd was a part of the Med Service. His tribe had been discovered on a planet in the Deneb sector, and men had made pets of them, to the high satisfaction of the Tormals. Presently it was discovered that veterinarians never had Tormals for patients. They were invariably in robustus good health. They contracted no infections from other animals. They shared no infections with anybody else. The Med Service discovered that Tormals possessed a dynamic immunity to germ and bacteria-caused diseases. Even viruses injected into their bloodstreams only produced an immediate, overwhelming development of antibodies so that Tormals couldn't be given any known disease. 
which was of infinite value to the med service now every med ship that could be supplied with the tarmal carried a small affectionate whiskered member of the tribe men liked them and they adored men and when as sometimes happens by mutation or the simple enmity of nature a new kind of infection appeared in human society why tarmals defeated it they produced specific antibodies to destroy it men analyzed the antibodies and synthesized them and they were available to all humans who needed them so a great many millions of humans stayed alive because tarmals were pleasant little animals with a precious genetic gift of good health calhoun looked at his sweep second-hand watch timing the muscular spasms that murgatroyd displayed they coincided with irregularities in murgatroyd's heartbeat coming at approximately two second intervals the tautening of the muscles lasted just about half a second but i don't feel it said calhoun murgatroyd whimpered again and said gee gee what's going on demanded allison with the impatience of a very important man indeed if the beast's sick he's sick i've got to find calhoun opened his med kit and went carefully through it until he found what he needed he put a pill into murgatroyd's mouth swallow it he commanded murgatroyd resisted but the pill went down calhoun watched him sharply murgatroyd's digestive system was delicate but it was dependable anything that might be poisonous murgatroyd's stomach rejected instantly and emphatically the pill stayed down look said allison indignantly i've got business to do in this attache case i have millions of interstellar credits in cash to pay down on purchases of land and factories i ought to make some damn good deals and i figure that that's as important as anything else you can think of it's a damn sight more important than a beast with a bellyache calhoun looked at him coldly do you own land on texia he asked allison's mouth dropped open extreme suspicion and unease appeared on his face as a sign of the unease his hand went to the side coat pocket in which he'd put a blaster he didn't pluck it out calhoun's left fist swung round and landed he took allison's elaborate pocket blaster and threw it away among the monstrous rows of olive-green plants he returned to absorbed observation of murgatroyd in five minutes the muscular spasms diminished in ten murgatroyd frisked he seemed to think that calhoun had done something remarkable in the warmest of tones he said gee very good said calhoun we'll go ahead i suspect you'll do as well as we do for a while the car lifted the few inches the air column sustained it above the ground it went on still to the eastward but calhoun drove more slowly now something was giving murgatroyd rhythmic muscular spasms he said coldly i gave him medication to stop them 
he's more sensitive than we are so he reacted to a stimulus we haven't noticed yet but i think we'll notice it presently allison seemed to be dazed at the affront given him it appeared to be unthinkable that anybody might lay hands on him what the devil has this to do with me he demanded angrily and what did you hit me for you're going to pay for this until i do calhoun told him you'll be quiet and it does have the devil to do with you there was a med service gadget once a tricky little device to produce contraction of chosen muscles it was useful for restarting stopped hearts without the need of an operation it regulated the beat of hearts that were too slow or dangerously irregular but some businessman had a bright idea and got a tame researcher to link that gadget to ground induction currents i suspect you know that businessman i don't know what you're talking about snapped allison but he was singularly tense i do said calhoun unpleasantly i made a public health inspection on texia a couple of years ago the whole planet is a single gigantic cattle raising enterprise they don't use metal fences the herds are too big to be stopped by such things they don't use cowboys they cost money on texia they use ground induction and the med service gadget linked together to serve as cattle fences they act like fences though they're projected through the ground cattle become uncomfortable when they try to cross them so they draw back so men control them they move them from place to place by changing the cattle fences which are currents induced in the ground the cattle have to keep moving or be punished by the moving fence they're even driven into the slaughterhouse chutes by ground induction fields that's the trick on texia where induction fields herd cattle i think it's the trick on maya where people are herded like cattle and driven out of their cities so the value of their fields and factories will drop so a land buyer can find bargains you're insane snapped allison i just landed on this planet you saw me land i don't know what happened before i got here how could i you might have arranged it said calhoun Allison assumed an air of offended and superior dignity. Calhoun drove the car onward at very much less than the headlong pace he'd been keeping. Presently, he looked down at his hands on the steering wheel. Now and then the tendons to his fingers seemed to twitch. At rhythmic intervals, the skin crawled on the back of his hands. He glanced at Allison. Allison's hands were tightly clenched there's a ground induction fence in action all right said calhoun calmly you notice it's a cattle fence and we're running into it if we were cattle now we turn around and move away i don't know what you're talking about said allison but his hands stayed clenched calhoun slowed the car still more he began to feel all over his body that every muscle tended to twitch at the same time it was a horrible sensation 
His heart muscles tended to contract, too, simultaneously with the rest, but one's heart has its own beat rate. Sometimes the normal beat coincided with a twitch. Then his heart pounded violently, so violently that it was painful. But equally often, the imposed contraction of the heart muscles came just after a normal contraction, and then it stayed tightly knotted for half a second. It missed a beat, and the feeling was agony. No animal would have pressed forward in the face of such sensations. It would have turned back long ago. No animal, not even man. Calhoun stopped the car. He looked at Murgatroyd. Murgatroyd was completely himself. He looked inquiringly at Calhoun. Calhoun nodded to him, but he spoke with some difficulty to Allison. We'll see if this thing builds up. You know that it's the Texia trick. A ground induction unit set up here. It drove people like cattle. Now we've run into it. It's holding people like cattle. He panted, his chest muscles contracted with the rest, so that his breathing was interfered with. But Murgatroyd, who'd been made uneasy and uncomfortable before Calhoun noticed anything wrong, was now bright and frisky. Medication had desensitized his muscles to outside stimuli. He would be able to take a considerable electric shock without responding to it. But he could be killed by one that was strong enough. A savage anger filled Calhoun. Everything fitted together. Allison had put his hand conveniently to his blaster when Calhoun mentioned Texia. It meant that Calhoun suspected what Allison knew to be true. A cattle fence unit had been set up on Maya, and it was holding, like cattle, the people it had previously driven like cattle. Calhoun could deduce with some precision exactly what had been done. The first experience of Maya with the cattle fence would have been very mild. It would have been low power, causing just enough uneasiness to be noticed. It would have moved from west to east slowly, and it would have reached a certain spot and there faded out. And it would have been a mystery and an uncomfortable thing, and nobody would understand it on Maya. In a week, it would almost be forgotten. And then there'd come a stronger disturbance, and it would travel like the first one, down the length of the peninsula on which the colony lay, but stopping at the same spot as before, then fading away to nothingness. And this also would have seemed mysterious, but nobody would suspect humans of causing it. There would be theorizing and much questioning, but it would be considered an unfamiliar natural event. Probably the third use of the cattle fence would be most disturbing. This time it would be acutely painful, but it would move into the cities and through them and past them, and it would go down the peninsula to where it had stopped and faded on two previous occasions. The people of Maya would be disturbed and scared, but they considered that they knew it began to the westward of Maya City, 
and moved toward the east at such and such a speed and it went so far and no farther and they would organize themselves to apply this carefully worked out information it would not occur to any of them that they had learned how to be driven like cattle calhoun of course could only reason that this must have happened but nothing else could have taken place perhaps there were more than three uses of the moving cattle fence to get the people prepared to move past the known place at which it always faded to nothingness they might have been days apart or weeks apart or months there might have been stronger manifestations followed by weaker ones and then stronger ones again but there was an inductive cattle fence across the highway here calhoun had driven into it every two seconds the muscles of his body tensed sometimes his heart missed a beat at the time that his breathing stopped and sometimes it pounded violently it seemed that the symptoms became more and more unbearable he got out his med kit with hands that spasmodically jerked uncontrollably he fumbled out the same medication he'd given murgatroyd he took two of the pellets in reason he said coldly i ought to let you take what this damned thing would give you but here allison had panicked the idea of a cattle fence suggested discomfort of course but it did not imply danger the experience of a cattle fence designed for huge hoofed beasts instead of men was terrifying allison gasped he made convulsive movements calhoun himself moved erratically for one and a half seconds out of two he could control his muscles for half a second at a time he could not but he poked a pill into allison's mouth swallow it he commanded swallow the ground car rested tranquilly on the highway which here went on for a mile and then dipped in a gentle incline then rose once more the totally level fields to right and left came to an end here native trees grew trailing preposterously long fronds brushwood hid much of the ground that looked normal but the lower ground covering vegetation was wilted and rotting allison choked on the pellet calhoun forced a second upon him murgatroyd looked inquisitively at first one and then the other of the two men he said chee chee calhoun lay back in his seat breathing carefully to keep alive but he couldn't do anything about his heartbeat the sun shone brightly though now it was low toward the horizon there were clouds in the reddened sky a gentle breeze blew everything to outward appearance was peaceful and tranquil and commonplace upon this little world but in the area that humans had taken over there were cities which were still and silent and deserted and somewhere somewhere the population of the planet waited uneasily for the latest of a series of increasingly terrifying phenomena to come to an end up to this time the strange creeping universal affliction had begun at one place and moved slowly to another and then diminished and ceased to be 
but this was the greatest and worst of the torments and it hadn't ended it hadn't diminished after three days it continued at full strength at the place where previously it had stopped and died away the people of maya were frightened they couldn't return to their homes they couldn't go anywhere they hadn't prepared for an emergency to last for days they hadn't brought supplies of food it began to look as if they were going to starve end of part three